and welcome to the Cambridge Connection, your roadmap to debt solutions and renewed financial wellness with your host, Gordon Oliver. The Cambridge Connection is brought to you in partnership with Cambridge Credit Counseling, offering you simple, safe financial solutions since 1996. Hello, everyone. This is the Cambridge Connection right here on WHMP.com, 101.5 FM, 1400 AM. Here with my co-pilot and giant fan, Tina Marie. What is up? I have to apologize. I, I was a bit of a pessimist this you were. season. You were. Just, again, trying to tamp down expectations. They were supposed to be a five-win team. I know. I think a lot of people are in shock right now. This is kind of the giant fan that I'm used to being, there right? They're never out of it, and it's been a couple years that we're bad. Well, like the Patriots, I mean, they we get them on the road. And their perfect season. That's right. 2015, the right? They yep. beat us right in the regular season, but then we came back we got and took them in care the big one. That's right. That's right. We almost, you know, beat the Eagles. Oh. So let's, you know, we're playing third stringers, but who cares? <laughs> I think we have a chance. Let's just uh, put our too. prayers together. Let's, let's go Giants. It. Let's go Giants. All right. Important topic today. Financial wellness, $1.8 trillion in student loans. A lot of people get to the process of having to fund college way too late in the game. Right. A lot of uneducated people on how to, I mean, myself included. So I'm excited for this show today. Again, the sponsor of the program, Cambridge Credit Counseling, had, and the whole industry of credit counseling, had to get into the student loan counseling business mm -hmm. because it was becoming a byproduct of debt problems. Right. right? It, was, it was not something that could be helped with, but had to be part of the plan. You can't just say, I'm not going to pay it because it doesn't work that way. Right, right. So today, uh, our guest is going to be talking about how to plan properly for college and not just plan, but understand the dynamics of what has to be done, how you figure out what kind of aid you have available to you, and what does that mean? And I wish I had someone to talk to when my daughter went uh, to college back in you know 2010. I, I, I was oblivious to, to everything, and, and I'm paying for it now with Parent PLUS loans. Look, the, the student loan uh, governmental approach has not worked on teaching people, even when they're in debt. That's why Cambridge Credit Council got involved in that. This side, there's not enough help in getting people prepared in something they don't know very well. It's great to have Ron here today. Absolutely. We're going to break it down and even sh talk about how to apply, figure out what you have as far as aid, and then how to even find ways to even ask for more or find out ways to get more money to help fund the education. We're going to take a quick break. This is Gordon Oliver with The Cambridge Connection. We'll be right back with Ron Foisy. Inflation is pushing family finances to the brink. Don't let that happen. Find out how to pay down your credit card debt while saving money. To take control of your finances in 2023, call 1-800-CAMBRIDGE. Welcome back, everyone, to The Cambridge Connection. I'm your host, Gordon Oliver, here with my co-pilot, Tina Marie, and it is our privilege and honor to introduce our next guest, Ron Foisy, who is a coach at yourcollegefundingcoach.com. Ron, welcome to The Cambridge Connection. Thank you, Gordon. It's a pleasure to be here. So uh, grateful to have you here because the information that we're going to talk about is just so important and you know, our sponsor of this program, Cambridge Credit Counseling, does a lot of counseling in areas of just regular debt management, credit card, unsecured mm -hmm. bills, student loan counseling. So dealing with a lot of people that already have the debt problems, and obviously $1.8 trillion is the outstanding debt amount. It's a crisis right now. It is. Uh, 
I'd like to say I hope it's going to um, be cured, but I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a pessimist on I w- that. I was just going to say, any end in sight. Yeah, we've got the government wrangling on just some things right now that are going to help public servants like they did with that waiver process, that are going to help potentially regular people with a ten dollars or $20,000 credit, but obviously that's up against legal challenges. Who knows whether that's right, and it really doesn't fix the problem, but we'll save that for a later day because I want to get into... The planning process for students, and before we do that, if you wouldn't mind, just tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, your career and what got you to where you are today. Great. Be happy to. In uh, 1994, I switched from management consulting into financial planning, got my certified financial planner, securities licenses, did traditional planning for about 10 years, and during that process, realize that most financial planners really don't understand the financial planning pro- or the college funding process at all. And the, the history of it really went back to the early 90s when the government took the cap off of the lending amount that parents could borrow. It was 1992. And at that point, parents could borrow 100% of the cost of attendance for a college. Absolutely. And at that point, college costs exploded. In the 90s, it doubled. And it continues to go up 3 to 5% every year thereafter. Yep, it's, an, it's incredible. And you hit the nail on the head because in the counseling process, a lot of the debt that we're dealing with are Parent PLUS loans, which are the federal loans for the parents. So as you know, in the aid process, the student gets so much that they're approved for, and then the rest falls on the family yes. to fund the education. So we see a lot of people with that debt. And this is the interesting part about the forgiveness um, that's that's being weighed right now. The interest rates on those loans are ridiculous. It's like anywhere from 7.2 to like 12% interest. It's so variable. And the scariest part is a lot of colleges put that parent plus loan as a line item on their financial aid offer letter. And mom and dad look at this. Oh, we're all set. (laughs) It looks like aid. It looks like aid, right? Yeah. I have one. Yes, I'm carrying one as we speak. (laughs) It's very deceptive. And most families are financially illiterate when it comes to all these terms. So it's it's just a disaster. So um, in your financial career of being, you know, an analyst and and learning about products and whatnot, you gravitated towards this situation to prepare families because you could see there was a gap in the understanding, a huge gap in it. And I, initially, I started focusing on need based financial aid, which you get based on your income and assets. And what I realized over time in this Northeast area that we live in, there are a lot of families that don't qualify for need-based aid because they make too much or have too much. And the colleges um, have evolved because their costs went up so fast. They're, They're having to rebate some of that money back through merit aid grants and scholarships that are kind of a hidden secret. I don't know if I told you this, and I'm not going to name the school. Um, a situation that I had been dealing with, the, the school just changed the cost of their program almost in a celebration to say that they lowered tuition. So they went from 53000 to 27000 but the merit award also got massively reduced, and the cost actually to the consumer was a little bit more than it went was up. with those tickets. Yeah, it's, it's a game that they play. 
and you know the Boston universities of the world want to price their school the same as Harvard and Princeton. Yep. But they can't get that Ivy League caliber student to sign up for them unless they get take money off of it. Sure, and and, and this is typical where. You can't necessarily say that they're wrong per se because they're just in a system. And until the system is reformed, yeah. they're they're operating like a business. Right. The system is is completely broken and if you peel back the layers of the onion as to what where the costs are at the colleges and universities, it's not at the professor level, it's at the administration level and the building and grounds. I mean, these colleges are country clubs right now. Indeed. And they're charging $82,000 a year. <laughs> It's crazy. It, it, it's absurd. So, Ron, how does your business work? What does exactly you do to help the the uh, student or even the parent or whoever's taking out the loan? It it all starts with a basic assessment. Okay. Are you eligible for any need-based aid? And if you are, here's what it's likely to be. On the flip side, how is your son or daughter doing in their academics or other things are they going to be eligible for some merit aid and grants? And you can help the, the, the person navigate through what's available out there? It's, it's basically the, the grants and scholarships that come from the schools themselves go primarily to students that are in the top 25% of the applicant pool each year. Okay. So a good starting point is what are the grades of the kids? What, mm-hmm. what are the test scores? Um, test scores is another thing that's created tremendous confusion because admissions is often test optional. And so people say, I'm not going to take the test. Then it comes down to trying to get some grants and scholarships. And they said, in order to qualify, you have to have a standardized test in the system. Well, nobody told me that. Sure. Does well, that does that apply to financial aid as well? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And this is very similar to um, – and why why this is near and dear to me personally, number one, my son's in his second year in college. So I went through the process as a consumer. Mm-hmm. Number two, I started the uh, counseling, student loan counseling department at Credit, uh, Cambridge Credit Counseling in 2014. So I have counseled people on the side of the debt portion of it. But in the midst of doing that, I had to learn a lot about the system. Even the FAFSA process is just convoluted yes. at, at its own. It, may, it, it is just it's convoluted. Extremely, I remember attending a class just to fill the FAFSA out, and I still was just so confused. Right. So, And here's what the government does, right? It, even it, it, when our company was involved as an industry, not just a company, they criticize companies for doing service for right. people in an area where they suggest they've got it. But look how that worked out with public service loan exactly. forgiveness, right? People were confused. They didn't know what they needed. They had the wrong loans. They were on the wrong payment programs, and they had no idea. They just were – because the way they marketed it, it was like, oh, you're a public servant, right? so you'll get your loans forgiven. They, and everybody yeah. said, okay, great. Went that with sounds whatever awesome. Was Ten years, presented. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> but they didn't know what they needed to do, exactly. and we learned that through the process. So yeah. I completely understand and endorse the work that you do simply because at the, at the level that parents are dealing with kids at that age to begin with between sports – and running yeah. around, single parents. It is just time flies by, and this is one of those things that just seem to come up right when it needs to, and decisions got to be made very quickly, and that's when mistakes are made because that is not planning, right? Yeah. That is reactionary uh, behavior, and it's something that everybody seems to do at, at large scale. So the work that you do, again, is incredibly important, and we're going to have to dig into that um, because I want to kind of 
use as much of our time in these in these two uh, conversations to express how you help people. Well, part of it is a mindset shift, and people are looking at a hundred thousand to three hundred and fifty thousand dollars to put their kids through school. Yep. It is a major capital expenditure with after-tax dollars because there's no deductibility. And so many people approach it completely differently than they would a major car purchase or a major home purchase. They don't think of it that way. There's so much more emotion in this. Oh, very. Because the kids are yes. going through this process of, of becoming close to being a young adult. They don't tangibly understand money at all. Correct. Um, and then you've got the the price tags versus the worth you've got so many things involved and then you've got the family having to deal with what the child's learning in school and what they're being motivated by and you don't want to shatter their dreams and you don't want to make them seem like that's not the route to a good future but they don't understand the dark side of what it all means so we're up against a hard break uh, we're going to take a quick one and then when we come back we're really going to dig into your services and how you can help prepare people because this is such a a financial crusher for so many people that I want to really dig into how people can prepare and then more importantly, how they can find you for the assistance. This is Gordon Oliver with The Cambridge Connection. We'll be right back. The holidays may be over, but the bills that come due afterward can put stress on your family's budget. Cambridge's budget counseling is free, so if you need help making a 2023 plan to deal with your debt, call 1-800-CAMBRIDGE. Welcome back, everyone, to The Cambridge Connection. I'm your host, Gordon Oliver, here with my co-pilot, Tina Marie, and our special guest, Ron Foise, uh, talking about planning for the cost of college. So, Ron, uh, we're going to get into your services and what you do. And before we kind of break down a few key questions, can you just give an overview of the service for our listeners? Sure. The, the primary place that I start is on the financial balance sheet of the family, which is are they going to be eligible for need-based aid? Are the kids going to get any merit aid for academics, art, music, drama, athletics, et cetera? And because once we get past those two merit or aid components, there's only three ways left to pay for college. You either dip into your savings, you pay it out of cash flow, or you borrow money. And in 95% of the cases that I work with, Borrowing money becomes the single largest component because families are not typically planners. So sounds I, like one point eight trillion. Is that what that sounds like? It's <laughs> okay, like one point eight trillion. And so the, the the beginning point is here's what you are up against, and then ultimately once once the uh, shock wears off on these families, then it's like where are we going to find the money? Well, wh when is the best time to start planning? <laughs> well, when they're in kindergarten? When, <laughs> when, they, <laughs> when mom and dad start <laughs> right. to think about having kids, they should be planning <laughs> exactly. for this. When exactly. most people start planning for it is after the, the applications have already been sent off to the college, and it's like, oh, my gosh, now we have to plan. So it's um, as soon as you think about it, you should reach out for some help because it's very hard to do this all on your own. So it's never too early. It, it's never too early, and really it's never too late. Mm -hmm. the, the challenge is the average high school guidance counselor spends 38 minutes in a kid's high school career talking about college, yep. and it has nothing to do with money. 
it, it, yeah, and it's a decision for the rest of their lives. And they're not yeah. the ones getting in debt. They're just doing their job. And again, exactly. we need the counselors, and it's not really a criticism. It's just it's another systemic problem. Yes, that there's Maybe not being enough overworked. Of course, not enough. It, not, yeah, it's just not part of the because at that point, to to, to your uh, point, Ron, they're moving on from the school. The school's yeah. done their job and gotten them to that point. And I think in this question too, um, to the planning part, right? I'm I'm assuming the earlier the better, but there are going to be stages. Yes, like when you start looking at grades, when a when a freshman comes into high school and the grades aren't great, I would believe they still have some time. They've got plenty to of time. fix the problem. Yes, and. Not only the grades, the best last-minute thing to change are your standardized test scores. But we're back to there are companies out there that, that coach kids on how to get their scores up. Right. Well, you know, an extra two or three points on an ACT or an extra 100, 200 on an SAT could be tens of thousands of dollars in grants and scholarships. That's, that's again, very important. Th- and that's why if you don't know— and it's too late, and it's you're too already past the time of planning for that. And, yeah. and again, I, you see it a lot. And it is because, again, this is one of those things that is painful to plan for, but so necessary because the pain on the other side is much worse. Right. The other thing that, that I'm up against a lot is there are books published all the time. Pay f- you, know, you never have to pay for college. You get grants and scholarships. Well, that's about a two-year full-time job yeah. to research to, and fill right. out all of those forms, and it's it's not realistic. Right. And not to mention, again, we have we always bring this up on the show. There are plenty of scams out there too that try to charge people money for no advice, bad advice, fictitious right. advice, and, and this is where a professional like you, that has a career of of helping people in this area, um, there's not enough of you around, in my humble opinion, and that's why bringing awareness that you exist and you do this great work for people is why this show even exists. So let's get to the next part, right? Let's just say it's been late and the family just gets into it. Their financial aid offer letter comes in and it seems like it's too low or, you even said it earlier, might not be interpreted properly. That's correct. So the the offer letter comes in usually... Two to four weeks after the admission letter comes in, it, it comes in. That's the time that we can figure out a strategy if it makes sense to ask for more money. Now, they could have made a mistake. They, the, the FAFSA could have been incorrect. There are a lot of things to, to straighten oh, out I, on yeah, that. I, I, I'm telling you, I went through it, and it's not clear, especially – and I'm, a, a, my, I'm divorced, so – it's my son's mother and me and the family, and it's not very clear on how that's looked at. So, yes. uh, so understood. And I'm in the business, so I can dig in. But again, the regular people yeah. that are going through that that never seen it before, it's totally convoluted. Right. And, and another thing that is overlooked often is applying to competitive schools of the one that your son or daughter really wants to get into, because we can play one school off against another if we get a better offer. From a school out in the Midwest or the Mid-Atlantic. Oh, really? So kind of wheel and deal, huh? You can wi- <laughs> I, I, I had no idea. <laughs> Most people don't. But right. if if they only apply to their you know top three, four, five schools, they don't have any competitive offers. There's no leverage. There's they no don't leverage. Yeah, know right. any better that that's even a technique, right? They no don't even idea. know. Right. Yeah. So again, uh, you can always file an appeal. 
But unless there's a reason for the appeal, your circumstances change, you lost a job, you had medical issues, there's something that came up to give more information to financial aid, they're responsive to that. Okay, You just can't send them an email saying, I want more money. That's typically a failing proposition. But competitive offers, changes circumstances, um, whether it's family situations, divorce, separation, those are all good reasons to ask for more money. I can confirm that, by the way. I was working with a family that had their third child that was going to school and needed to get funded. And we called the financial aid office together and asked if there were other resources. Exactly the same thing. Okay, we're at this impasse. Is there anything else? And the advice that we got from financial aid was, well, some people take a second mortgage out on their home, oh. right? So they, and it's not necessarily their fault, but their job, it's a business, is to get kids in the seats, yes. funded. And if they don't have resources or they're not sharing that, obviously you have to do more homework to defend right. yourself, your family, your finances right. with information. There's another technique. When do you file an appeal? Right. Okay. My my preference is typically immediately while there's still money left in the pot. I was just going to bring this up too. One important piece here: uh, the FAFSA is available every October for the new class. Correct. And if I'm not mistaken, you get on that immediately and start planning as soon as you can file that because the money eventually runs out. Well, let me just be a nitpicker on that. Sure. No. Perfect. Um, the key thing on when to file the FAFSA is before the first priority filing deadline by school. That's not a federal deadline. Each school has different deadlines based on how the kids are applying. So early action, early decision deadlines are earlier than regular decisions. See that, folks? Very on the Cambridge Connection, we've got upper tier advice. Very <laughs> interesting. So, yes, that's why, again, you're an expert. Um, that's why we're we're having you on this program because this topic is so important. And as we're winding down this conversation um, to take a break to close the show, what is the best advice that you can give people on a grand scale from what you've learned helping families with this situation? You you need to get help, and you don't have to go to an individual, but at least go out to to. Amazon and, and buy a book that is how to pay for college. For dummies. Yeah. yeah. And I how think, we, I think we talked about this and, and we're going to visit this. I think getting a back to a webinar series where you and I maybe can work together to do something, maybe even Tina Marie, um, to bring awareness to this. Yeah. I think half the problem is, is that it's cyclical for families, right? Absolutely. Once they learn they're out, they're in the process, then it's the next family that's coming in that may or may not know yeah. that help is available. So Ron, uh, again, this needs to be like a five-hour show because I feel like, uh, as as usual on the show, we can't get to enough, but we covered really the major stuff. Right, Ron. Actually, if you if you could just kind of recap the steps that you know, it, it summarize all in in one shot, if you could, the recap. I I think the the emotion of college is something that has to be taken into into consideration, and ultimately. Families have to do a better job of creating an affordability scale for this college. And when do they start again? Never too early, right? Well, yeah. I mean, freshman, sophomore year in high school would be ideal. Most people don't even think about talking to me until their kids are juniors and it becomes the topic in high school. And then we're, we're kind of doing triage work. But figure out, are you going to be eligible for aid? And then if not, 
understand up front whether you're going to be able to take be able to pay for college for all of your kids or if you need to scale back your ambitions. You know, just what you said it, it kind of caught me for a second. Are you going to be eligible? So if you're if you're applying in the junior year and um, now all of a sudden with the economy people lose jobs, what what happens then? Well, that that's one of the change in circumstances that often gets more money for people. Okay. So quit your job. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Tina. This is kind of in line to, you know, we've had Jennifer Connolly on here from Junior Achievement. Yes. And they work on financial literacy from K through 12. And, Ron, I think, you know, this the, the, the child has to be involved in this conversation as early as possible. I would even say in middle school because they're developing their interests, their thoughts, their dreams, and there's a processed way to go about setting expectations where if you don't do that as a family, later on it almost becomes a battle because the child has a dream, doesn't have an understanding of the cost. The family is trying to maybe defend what that cost is going to be or what's going to be spent, and then you've got rift. Very true. My experience is that oftentimes it's the parents' egos and emotions that are involved in this thing mm. that are driving it more than the kids. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. And then, again, at some point, like when when the, the student has some thoughts and dreams, it can't be, well, that's terrific, and then right at the finish line, we have to quickly send in documentation, and then the Parent PLUS loans has to be taken out for an ungodly amount of money because there wasn't planning involved. Right. That happens all of the time because on the ego side of things, too, there's also the emotional side for the family that they don't want to disappoint their child. Correct. They don't want... Nobody the, wants to tell their child they can't go to school. Right. Because yep. now what? You don't want me to be successful? Right. Because there's that stigma as well. Exactly. So this is a... It's a very interesting... You know, the whole... Uh, in, in the times that we're in, the trades have been diminishing and people available to do trade work. And college isn't necessarily for everybody either. So this has got a lot to do with a shift in how we prepare kids in the process from when they're a kindergartner all the way to a senior in high school on where they're going to go with their life. And it's we, too early to do it in the kindergarten area, but as they grow, there's got to be some well, some discussion, just like learning a K through 12 on financial literacy. We could go we could go all over the place with this. I mean, how many people are out there with student loan debt that aren't even working in, in a their field that they went to school for. A lot. Exactly. So, Ron, uh, before we close the show out, can you please tell our listeners where they can get in touch with you and how they can find you? Best way is to go to my website, yourcollegefundingcoach.com. And uh, if you have an urgent need, uh, I'll give you my cell phone. Feel free to call or text. It's 508-259-3303. I may not be able to get to you immediately, but I'll get back to you within 24 hours. Ron, again, the work you do is amazing. Uh, you're a true professional. Again, this work is so important for family planning. Thank you very much for coming on the show today. And we will certainly look to have you back on the show to have this conversation again, almost even timed when it's necessary for that next cycle of people to go through the process. It's been great to be here. Thanks, Ron. All right, let's go Giants. Another show has gone by. We always have great experts on the horizon. As you can see today, Ron joining us, this information is just so important. We're here on Saturdays at 9.30 a.m. And if you've missed any shows, if you simply missed us, you can go where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Or you can go to whmp.com and go to the podcast tab and pick any show that you'd like to listen to. 
like to thank our producers, Lisa and Leah, for always doing great work for us. If you have any questions about the show or questions about our guests or the content we're talking about, you can email connect at cambridgecredit.org or feel free to call 1-800-CAMBRIDGE.